everyone, and welcome back to episode three of Travel Unpacked, a podcast by Colette, where we unpack all the interesting, fun, and curious aspects of the travel industry. This episode, we'll be discussing guided travel. What is it, and what are the myths surrounding it? Again, I'm joined in the studio with Nicole. Hi. And Kelsey's back. Hello. I made the cut this time. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) So you're back. Uh, Did you get a chance to listen to the last episode? I did. It was great. One of the things that we mentioned in the last episode, because we missed you, was we were talking about your bucket list Mm. and making guesses about what we think is on your bucket list. I was laughing so hard about that. So one of the things that I think is on your bucket list is floating in the Dead Sea in Jordan. Mm. And mine would be walking the Great Wall of China. Mm-hmm. And did we get any guesses from our listeners? Good. Yeah. Actually, oh. we have some here. Well, one was uh, scuba diving between tectonic plates in Iceland. <laughs> the tectonic plates in Iceland, that's very specific. That's super specific. That's a bucket list item. Another was uh, the changing of the guards in London. Another was riding a gondola in Venice, if you haven't already. Also in Italy, taking a cooking class. Ah, so funny enough, I haven't gone scuba diving in Iceland at the tectonic plates, but I have been there. I feel like scuba diving needs a little bit too much certifications and and patience and timing. Uh, Maybe one of those really neat things where you can like put the helmet over your head and you're like walk on the bottom maybe that. Probably not scuba diving. Um, I have done a gondola in Venice. It was on the bucket list. Um, I have not, or you know what? Cooking class is not on the bucket list in Italy, but uh, it will be. I'll add it right now. What about the Dead Sea? Uh, Not on the list, but it's a a great guess. Well, you got to try it. I I say it and I haven't actually done it, but it's on my bucket list. So I just assumed it was on yours because all the minerals in the Dead Sea, you just float without trying. You just float. And I feel like that's such a cool, it must be a very cool sensation, very relaxing and um, sort of a heightened sensory experience. It does sound nice. I have done a face mask with Dead Sea minerals. That I have done too. I do that often, actually. (laughs) Dude, I've never done that. (laughs) And I've done the the face masks with Iceland as well in the mud baths. I bought some of that when I was out there. I did as well at Blue Lagoon. That's exactly right. The Blue Lagoon. Yeah. One or the other. So I've done a cooking class, but I have not done the gondola. I feel like I need to go back to Italy to do the gondola myself. Have you been to Venice? I have been to Venice. You went to Venice and you didn't do a gondola ride? No, I didn't do a gondola. I've done the gondola ride here in Rhode Island. Is that the same? No, (laughs) it's very close. They wear similar shirts. I've also done the gondola ride in Las Vegas at the Venetian. So I mean, that's getting a little closer. Consider it fun, but not the same. No, I I did a gondola ride in Venice. There's nothing like it because it's on postcards and it's on brochure covers, and you know you see it in movies, usually romantic movies. Like it's just such a a scene. It's such a scene to be a part of. And when I went, we kept begging the begging the gondolier, sing to us, sing to us, and he said, "Tomorrow, tomorrow," because he <laughs> knew we weren't going to be here tomorrow. The thing that I want to do next on my bucket list is the synchronous fireflies. It's actually in Kentucky, in the Blue Mountains, the Blue Ridge Mountains. What is that? I've never even <laughs> So every June, all of the fireflies come together for mating season, but it's about three or four days. They don't have the exact dates. Two months before it happens, around when it happens, they open up a lottery and only like 100 people get parking passes just to go to this park to see 
millions of fireflies come together. It seems absolutely magical. Wow. <laughs> Put it on your list. We'll put it on. We can do it next year. Take Probably pictures. I can't now. even imagine that. Yeah. Now that we've gone over all these great bucket list ideas, I think today let's really start focusing in on guided travel and the myths surrounding guided travel and kind of the history of guided travel. So before we dive in, I actually have some trivia for the two of you about guided travel that I prepared in preparing for this episode. So are you guys ready? I'm ready with each other. I'm I so love a little trivia. Josh is pretty I'm competitive. competitive so. I'm not good at trivia. Okay. Josh and I are glaring at each other right now. <laughs> yes. If you could see them, they're both glaring at each other. They both <laughs> want to win. All right. Do you know when the first tour operator went into business? Mm. 1789. I'm going to guess the mid to late 1800s. So 1892. I'm impressed. Um, you guys are both very close. Josh wins that one for being closer. It was 1758. That early. Yeah. Boom. Point for me. 1758. <laughs> it was technically a travel agency. It was the first, um, it was the official travel agent of the British Royal Armed Forces called Cox and Kings, 1758. So another one. When did pleasure travel start? When you say pleasure travel, I think of fancy people going on safaris for their honeymoons and they're having those suitcases that you have to lug around or big chests. Yes. So I'm going to go with also 1832. I'm going to go with 1856. The 1840s. The first, um, it was around the time of Thomas Cook. They started conducting tours to Paris and Europe. So it was really catering toward my next trivia question. Which clientele? Oh, the rich. The, the extra people. rich. Yes, the extra rich. I'm going to go ahead and take both of those points. <laughs> no, you I'll don't get the first point. It was, it was it the first. 40s. You said 32. I said 56. Yep. So it was the wealthy. It wasn't until much later that, um, actually, it's one of my trivia questions, so I'll get there in a minute. But yes, it was the 1840s, and it was geared toward wealthy people at the time. That's what travel and planned itineraries was solely for the purpose of the wealthy. Makes okay. Sense. What TV show inspired middle-class travelers to go explore? TV show. TV show. TV show. I don't know. Mm. This is all you, Kelsey. Mm. Take a guess. Well, there's so many TV. Can we get a hint? <laughs> you give up? No, I want a hint. Oh. Um, think cruising. Gilligan's Island. Oh, that's cute. No, the love boat. The love boat. Yep. And here's another entertainment question. What 1969 film, this is my last question. What 1969 film became a saying that defines one of the leading stereotypes of guided tours? Mm, if it's Tuesday, this must be Belgium. You're right. That one goes ding, to Kelsey. Ding, ding. If it's Tuesday, it must be Belgium is a movie from 1969 that kind of made over the road travel more popular. This is when travel started becoming, it was this post-World War II era where creating an itinerary and organizing accommodations and organizing travel for people became more accessible because now you've got air, airlines traveling internationally and um, motor coaches, you, you have people that are able to 
go and explore. Um, and it just became a much more accessible thing. So there was this movie in 1969. It's Tuesday, it must be Belgium. And that's actually one of the main stereotypes that we're going to talk about today, because that is something that people still think defines guided travel. That idea that you're on this plan, this schedule all the time. And that's it's not true. It's perhaps what guided travel started out as, but it's no longer what it is. Yeah, it's definitely evolved. Our tour managers, I work really closely with our tour managers and sometime during every symposium or training we have, that movie comes up and we're, we say, stop it. We're not doing this anymore. This is how we're different. And that's what we really train on with our tour managers. So let's kick it off with some of the myths that we always hear when it comes to group travel. I think one of the big ones I always hear is group tours are not authentic. And I think the argument is that if you're traveling with a group, you're not having connections with the local people and the culture. And I think really that was kind of proven wrong the last episode that we had where we talked about the Balkans because she talks about getting a chance to go to, you know, Sarajevo's wartime history with a, you know, a siege survivor. Um, they also get a chance to really take a carriage ride and do a picnic lunch in the meadows. Um, you know, there's there's so much that they get to do just on that tour alone, even having home hosted meals where we really get to meet the locals. And I think that to me is one of the the biggest myths. And I think, you know, at Colette, we really kind of break that stereotype, especially when we look at our, our explorations tours as well. And I think kind of to piggyback off of that, when guided travel was first becoming popular, you would go to the destination and you would check off those boxes. You'd see the Eiffel Tower or, you know, the Big Ben, like you'd see these must-see sites and these iconic sites, but you might just on a very surface level feel like you're peeking in on the local culture, like observing it from, um, from afar. And where it's changed is we have, and at least with Colette, we have all these relationships all over the world. And those relationships have allowed us to learn traditions and to have conversations and really, you know, not just hear about history, but get in there and, and actually explore places in a very hands-on way and get to know the locals to the point where, well, for starters, the locals are now the experts who lead the tour. So you're feeling like you're friendly with them right off the bat, just by being with the group and hearing from a local who starts to feel like a friend. And also you're getting to have history and have culture come to life. And it, that's, it used to not be that way. It definitely was more about checking those boxes. I think, you know, when we talk about checking boxes too, that's another myth that we, that we always hear is that guided tour is just so generic. And as you mentioned, yeah, we are going to go and we're going to see those must-sees. We're going to go to the Coliseum. But what we're doing is it's we're not just standing in line and grabbing a headphones and kind of just listening to some audio. We're actually getting the locals' perspective and an understanding of the history and the rich culture. And that's what you get when you get to enjoy the guided travel. I went in to see this Coliseum back in 2018, and our local guide just like lives and breathes and eats Italian culture and like he is the absolute Roman who is just so proud of his of his country of his area and of the history that the city has um so you really feel like you're traveling with a friend and he just knows everything about the thing you're staring at and they know the way everywhere for me that's probably the best part of going is that you're with a local um who can take you from point a to point b without getting lost and i get lost 
all the time. I got lost this weekend going to, I went to the Taylor Swift concert and I drove from Rhode Island to New Jersey to see her at um, MetLife Stadium. Awesome show. And I, of course, got lost there. I was, I was at a hospital at one point in a parking lot trying to turn around. There was no cars there. And I ended up in these neighborhoods. It was a major detour. And I had my GPS on, which is sad. I shouldn't even admit this, but this is, this is something that's plagued me my whole life. I am directionally challenged. I get lost all the time. I get lost in the town I grew up in. It's just, for me, not having to worry about that is absolutely wonderful to just be out on the road and know that someone's going to take me or tell me how to get where I need to go or bring me there. I think my favorite part is is having things planned for me because as I mentioned before, I am the planner in the family. I plan everything down to the last detail. Uh, you know, we're going to Los Angeles in two weeks and I'm planning out everything where we're going to eat, what we're going to do, what tours we're going to take. And then I have a group of friends. We're all going down to Disney in the fall. And again, I'm in charge of it all. So it's nice to go on an escorted tour where you don't have to worry about a thing, where everything's been vetted, where your hotels, your your meals, everything's really vetted for you. And you get to go and just relax and enjoy what's been planned. Yeah, it's one-stop shopping. I love that as well. I love just getting to meet the people, uh, which is which is the exact opposite of what Josh just said, um, that it's not authentic. I think when you're just even walking around the city, you know, stopping at food carts, meeting the people, asking what they're making. Um, I actually have such a funny story. Um, many years ago now, almost, almost a decade ago, I was traveling in Colombia and, uh, we got to this little tiny town that had, I'm serious, one street. It was one main, one main road. And, uh, I really had to use the ladies room. So I said to the tour manager, I have to go right now. And he said, no, I'm leading you there. Just wait a second. And I said, no, there is no one second. Just point it, point to it. And he said, it's down there to the right of the lantern. So I said, okay, great. So me and another lady, we jumped off the bus and we ran down the street. We turned right at the lantern. We burst through a door and there was this little lady there. And she said, uh, hola. And I said, hola, uh, por favor, al baño. And then I made the face and I like cringed a little. And she goes, oh yes, CC. And she brings me into a bathroom and I use it and I come out and I start looking around and I was like, this is the weirdest public bathroom I've ever seen. There's like a couch and a TV. I was in some stranger's house. I missed the public bathroom and I burst into some strange lady's house and she was so welcoming. And she was just like a little bit worried that I was seeing her house in a bit of disarray. Um, so she was like sweeping up, um, but she was so sweet. We got a selfie with her. I actually dug the picture out. I'm going to have the team post it later for you. Uh, but that's it for me. It's, it's meeting the locals. It's really getting to know who they are as people. That is definitely one way to meet the locals. That's hysterical. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and she was worried her house was dirty. She was like just sweeping. It was so clean. It was actually very clean. All of our tour managers are local. They do live in the region. I know. And that's so amazing because it's such an added layer of authenticity to be there and hear what, you know, their accents or or their stories or how they, you know, their upbringings. It brings a whole different layer in addition to everything you're learning on the tour itself. Another topic, which is food. And mm. I think that's another myth that we have is that, you know, stops are made at impersonal restaurants that so can you only eat at the hotel. Accommodate, yeah, the entire motor coach of travelers and you just eat at the hotel. And that is just completely wrong. I or mean, there buffets. are buffets. Yes. That's the big thing too. 
Yeah, there are opportunities where we do, you know, eat at the hotel or we really try to find those authentic restaurants in those cities, in those towns, in those villages, home hosted meals, and really get to experience what the locals enjoy and delicacies. We have a tour manager who's in Italy and his family owns a bakery. So at the beginning of every tour that he guides, he brings them um, cannolis or he he brings them shells and the cream and they all get to fill their own cannoli, cannolis from his father's bakery. That's authentic. I love that. I also and just love cannolis. I love cannolis too. What are some of the weirdest foods you guys have eaten on tour or most interesting foods? I always feel a little guilty for admitting this, but when I went to Iceland, I ate a puffin. <laughs> Not the whole thing, just a couple bites. <laughs> well, I can one up you there with the guilty feeling. In Peru, I ate their delicacy, which is the guinea pig. It was yeah. called Kui, right? It was called Kui. So yeah, we had Kui. It was this little village and this lady went and um, hosted us for a, a night stay. And she was so excited because it is a huge delicacy there and they cook it all. The everything, the teeth, the bones, the head, they put it all together and they, it's, it's a delicacy and you eat everything. Tastes um, like chicken. It does. It tastes like a dark meat chicken uh, piece so like of the, more like the duck. thigh. Does it taste like duck? I don't think I've ever really had duck. But I, I've, um, the qui in Ecuador is probably the strangest food I've ever had. And, you know, the haggis in Scotland stands out. Of course, the homemade pasta in Italy stands out not as a weird or interesting thing, just so delicious. But it is great to be on tour and see um, if you've ever done a home-hosted meal. It, it's so fun and different to be able to go into someone's home and to have them host you and cook these local delicacies for you. It's it's so accommodating. It's so nice. And um, usually for most travelers, it seems to be a highlight of their trip. It certainly has been a highlight of mine when I've had the opportunity to do it. To this day, one of my favorite home-hosted meals in the U.S. was an Amish dinner in Penn, Pennsylvania, Dutch County. It was so yummy. It was, you know, the homemade butter and bread and just everything was from scratch. And it was amazing. And they were playing music, just you know, like folk music, setting this beautiful scene. I absolutely love it. I dream about this dinner all the time. And that was in this beautiful home in Amish County. Oh, I love that. I, uh, in Ireland, we went, when I was on tour with Colette, we went to this old farmer's house where his wife gave us tea and biscuits with this cream and this jam. I still think about that as a, as a regular snack, but then they sat us down and they told us stories of them as children growing up on that same farm and how his father owned that farm and his father's father. Uh, it's like, you really got to know him. It was, it was a really great experience. Yeah. Love that. There's a lot, a lot of good food. The more places you go, right. That you just, I'm one of the places because I'm so into sushi right now that I'd like to go to is Japan. I absolutely want to go and have the freshest sushi and learn how to make it myself. Because that's that's guided travel. It's like, yes, you're going to eat this food, but you'll also learn how to make it. Someone will teach you how to do this. It's a it's like the best kind of souvenir that going home and having the ability to impress all of your friends and family with something that you learned that's valuable, that's amazing, and just feels like something you're very proud of that you'll always remember. I love that because I think that is such a great way to, you know, come home and then have your friends over and talk about your experience, share your pictures, and then make a wonderful meal that you learned well on tour as well. So just don't be afraid to try new things, like get out of your box, even if it's 
No, Josh did not want to eat guinea pig. I promise you that. But he did it. And now he can say that he's done it. I can. I am a burger and fries pizza kind of guy. But here I can say that I had that little guinea pig, you know. (laughs) I wouldn't like shout it off the rooftops. (laughs) So I'd love to hear from all of our listeners. Uh, You can let us know what are some great delicacies you've tried, something interesting, something maybe you've never thought you would try. Uh, Give us a little shout out and we'll, we'll let everybody know kind of what they were on the next episode. Unicorn in Scotland. <laughs> I would like a little unicorn in Scotland. <laughs> I do feel bad about the puffin. Yeah. A lot of times people say it's those experiences that you couldn't have by yourself that are a huge reason to to th- consider guided travel. Or like the Sweeney's said last week um, or the in our last episode about the Balkans, they're very well-traveled people. They absolutely have the confidence to go and... Th- you know, um, she likes to plan and she's amazing at it, but for a place where there's a language barrier or no familiarity, where you feel like you're very much out of your comfort zone, that was where the value was for them. That even though there are places where they might prefer to go independently, there are places in the world where they're just not comfortable to do so. And that is always a great option to have. There's, there are some places that you might just prefer to have a local with you all the time and friends around you, you know, new friends, the people that you're meeting on tour, which is another interesting stereotype. A lot of times we we used to hear that people didn't want to be in the group. Um, and really, they actually love the camaraderie. They love being with like-minded people, someone who also wanted to explore, someone who also was interested in culture and curious about the world, and someone who was interested in that destination just like they were. There's always, right off the bat, so much to talk about. So that's that's interesting too. It's like just when, especially certain places in the world, just surround yourself with people who have some things in common with you. You know, as we start looking at some more myths, another myth that we get to is guided tours offer no freedom. And I think that is one that we hear a lot, whether it's it's a set itinerary, you get no freedom, you kind of do what, what they tell you to do. You're there from point A to point B with no choice at all. And that's completely um, opposite of what we really get to enjoy on a guided tour with Colette. Yeah, because we have uh, a number of things that really mixes up for the tour. We have choice on tour, and then we have pre-sold options that you can always choose to buy. It's interesting, though, because if the three of us went on tour, we would not have the same tour. We wouldn't come home talking about the same things. And that's, to your point, 100% what that's about, the flexibility that people don't always realize you get on on a tour. You're going to make different choices for your free time. You might choose an option that I didn't choose, and you might... um, opt to, well, I guess the choice on tour, you might opt to do a walking tour while I'm, you know, wanting to stay back at the, instead of doing the option, I might want to stay back at the beachside resort that we're, that we're staying at. Cause sometimes you have an amazing accommodation and a free day. And so that is the best part about guided travel is that as I mentioned earlier, everything is vetted for you. It's wonderful. And then you have the opportunity to make it your own tour, an opportunity to kind of take um, with you what you want to do on that day, what you want to do with that choice, or if you want to add on that option, you have that freedom and you have that choice to do so. Also the choice just either to come early or stay late, we offer that too. So, I mean, you two could, the three of us went on the same tour, you two could come at the the day the tour starts. I could have come a day earlier, maybe jumped past that jet lag. Definitely different different perspective. 
That's what my in-laws do. That's They always recommend it. They always go one or two days early to be able to start the tour fresh, ready to go. They like to to do that, get into the city, get a routine, and then start the tour. And that's that's been something they've been doing you know, for the past couple of years, and they love that. Yeah, VIP treatment. There's also a number of things that we add into our tours that you wouldn't necessarily get if you were just somebody going to that city. Uh, example, the Sydney Opera Tour. It's a tour of the opera house that you get to go into instead of just going to go see a show. You get the behind the scenes. So true. I've actually never been to Australia. I am so eager to go and go to the Sydney Opera House and do that tour because I've heard about it. I've written about it. And it just sounds like the ultimate behind the scenes VIP experience. So there we go. We circle it back to the beginning and you can add that to your bucket list. Yes, I know. It's all about Kelsey's bucket list, but I have my own bucket list. I just not organized enough to keep it at all, except in my head. <laughs> There's your homework, Nicole. Start your bucket list. Start my Go bucket ahead list. and add the Sydney Opera House. Josh, what are you adding to your bucket list? Definitely not puffin. <laughs> I think <laughs> I was going to say definitely not. Guinea pig. <laughs> I know there's just so much to do and so much to see. And I, I think, um, you know, hopefully all of our listeners really, they get excited about these destinations that we talk about and get excited about going on a guide to travel. And hopefully we have, you know, broken through some of those myths. I know that there's a lot out there. So definitely let us know other myths that you hear and we'll definitely break those over the next coming episodes too. I, I love, I think for travelers or people who love traveling and we know that our travelers are just passionate we saw that when restrictions lifted during COVID, how fast people just got back to seeing the world. It was actually surprising, except it really wasn't. They missed it. They wanted to be out there. Our travelers right away are just you know out seeing the world. But as you talk to them, you see there's a lot of, there's just an appreciation for choice. And there is that choice. There's places you might want to go independently, and there's places you might want to go guided um, there's, you know, places where you might want to dive deep into culture and there might be other times you do just want to also see those items on your bucket list and start there. Um, so, you know, we see a lot of people revisit the same place like England or Italy, like you see them revisit over and over because they're looking to get something else that on that repeat visit, something else out of it, they didn't get out of it last time, or they want to trace their family heritage or something. So it is, it is very interesting. I think that the big takeaway is that it, Travelers have options, and this is an, an option to think about for a, a so many reasons. Well said. So we want to thank all of our listeners for joining us for this episode on Guided Travel, and we hope that you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and join us every month as we discuss a new wonderful topic and some wonderful guests that are coming up. And since we talked about food a lot as one of the best reasons to go guided, um, the packing tip for as we close out this episode is do not forget to pack your appetite. Bye.